0: Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. How y'all today? Uh, so uh, today's topic. <laughs> today's topic is what is the self. Uh, we we actually have. Uh, some other talks before about this uh, and uh, this is something that I think for for Buddhists, uh is something which we will is part of our practice to uh to investigate, to explore and to discover and realize. Yeah. Uh, in the Buddha's teaching on the Universal Characteristics, we have um, the first Sankara anichati so all condition phenomena is impermanent and then sabbe sankara dukkati that all conditioned phenomena is uh, subject to uh, is suffering. Is subject to suffering. And then sabbe dhamma anattati. That all f- uh, phenomena, yeah, all all phenomena, is uh, no self, yeah, or not self, if you will. So uh so Buddhism is one of those religions that is very very interesting because the whole world talk about self yeah the whole world there's there's so much uh, emphasis on um all forms of self yeah uh self confidence uh, self this self that my, me or myself <laughs> yeah uh, in fact today a friend was just sharing with me that she read an article about uh, self-worth and self-esteem maybe we can explore that a bit later Uh, so while we all um, use the word self and we um, not just use the word but we relate to the self on a daily basis uh, what exactly is the self yeah. What exactly is the self? So for a start, um, I want to open up my writing pad, uh, the OneNote, and also to get my writing pad out. And then uh, I want y'all to perhaps uh we can do it um let me see let me open up the, the page first yeah what is the self hmm. so quite bot. and today I'm gonna. To Make my face a bit bigger and then use half the pitch. And uh, let me see uh, maybe I can just give me a second a bit left. okay mm. good. Ah, okay, just nice. Okay, let's see. S- let's see whether this work, <coughs> So, um, okay, y'all don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm actually adjusting on the preview. And then I'm gonna push life. So let's see whether this is uh, big enough. Whether can you all see the words? What is the self? Yeah. Um, I hope it works. Then I'm gonna write on on this side. Yeah. Uh, this side of the screen, whatever is on this side. So, let me get my pen. Uh, So, there there are two things, two angles I'm going to approach first, very quickly. The first thing is, I want you all to think about what we mean by self, yeah? Uh, Be it um, the I or self, yeah? What does that mean? When we say, I this, I that What are we actually referring to? Exactly what are we referring to? So what is the I or the self? Hmm. Okay, I want you all to think about it Then you all can share and uh, I can write down Then another angle I want to approach is To then um, write down what the sutra and the commentaries um, talk about when uh, with reference to the self. Okay, so I'm gonna look at the the comments and then you all can start speaking. Um, meanwhile I will st- I will write down the 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 definition that is found in the Buddha's time. Now bear in mind uh, this definition is not so much what the Buddha taught, but what was a prevalent notion, a prevalent uh, concept of what the self is. Yeah? Um, so, uh, it is with reference to this that the Buddha uh, would have conversations, dialogues with those from other schools, the ascetics and brahmins from the other schools. right? So, um, and from there, uh, there are a series of uh, back-and-forth disc- uh, questions. Yeah, And it is through this discussion that the Buddha then um, draw the conclusion that, well, it seems like no such a thing exists. Oh. So, let's see. Um, okay, Brandon, very good. So a common definition of I or self is body, yeah, and mind. Okay, good. What else? What else uh, do we refer to as self? Uh, so do we have any special name for this body or mind? Uh So self is a we can say uh wrote self is a representative representation of identity. Yeah Cadell wrote identity. Yeah so we can say that the I or the self is a form of identity. Hmm. So how do we define this identity? What is this identity about? Uh, May at seem that It's our perception. What else? Let's look at the identity a bit more. Uh, In what way do we form an identity? Uh, Like when we introduce ourselves, how do we introduce ourselves to others? Ego. Lin Toi says ego. Ego... Ego, let me put... Ego is almost synonymous with self. ah. Yeah. So, I'm going to... put it inside the balloon, the bubble. Yeah. So... Phillis adds based on selection, optimization, and compensation. Uh, meaning, <laughs> uh, so Saikyong and uh, and uh, Siwin says uh, we introduce our name to others. Yes, yeah. So name is a a form of identity. Okay, so we have our name. so uh, so the name is a form of our identity, yeah so the name is also at, known as a label right label so for example uh, let's say uh, let's pick one of you uh as an example. let's say uh, the first person who who replied just now, Brandon okay. So just now, Brandon wrote. Uh, what did I? Uh, Brandon wrote body and mind. Yeah. So Be- Brandon. So let's use Brandon as an example. Uh, did, did I spell it correctly? Brandon or double N? Hang on. Now. So we use the word Brandon. To identify with something. And we can loosely say we we identify with the body and the mind and say that this set of body and mind is branded. Agree? Yeah. So in your own case, let's say you are your you are Cadell, you are May, and so on, you would say uh this body is uh Wei Fen, this body is Cadell, this body is Mei this body is Lin toy and so on. Yeah? And maybe we say, uh, this mind of this mind of mine <laughs> is me. Uh, think about this statement, uh, this mind of mine is me. So, if the mind is me, and we say that this mind of mine, or this body of mine, so that means there's a there's a me owning the Body. Yeah, but if we say that the body is me, that means the me is the, the me owns the me. <laughs> uh, a bit of uh, strangeness there. Mm. So, uh, which is it? Yeah, think about it. Okay. Uh, is it that the body is me? Yeah, but we usually say this body of mine. Yeah, or my body, right? So if Body is me, then that means there's something uh, that means uh, then we cannot say my body, yeah, because my body means mine is a me owning something, yeah. So, think about this is this a, a, a linguistic problem? Is this a grammar, a, a problem with the language, or is it a problem with the concept? You know sometimes the way it's expressed seems problematic uh, and it's problematic only because of the language the limitation of the language sometimes is the concept itself that is a, a limitation that's a problem and that's why when it's expressed it seems a bit queer a bit odd okay think about that huh uh, Saikyung adds uh, IC number haha two identifiers uh, so some people so, we may also identify with IC number, yeah? IC. In Singapore, we have identification card number, yeah? IC number. So identity card, identity card is, uh, it has a number, unique number, that has 7 digit, uh, one letter in front, 7 digit, and then a check character, yeah. so uh, we have that in Singapore. And it's quite uniquely Singapore. Uh, it is also found in Malaysia, uh, but in many countries, there's no such a number. Yeah? In many countries, there are equivalent numbers, yeah? so each person has a unique number. So now we have two identifiers: uh, the name and IC yeah? so then then Tam uh, mentioned emotion sensory thoughts. Uh, so emotion sensory thoughts, these are under the mind. Okay, In Buddhism emotions is part of the mind the sensory and thoughts are also expressions of the mind although sens- sensory can be due to body also uh, so sensory, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body and mind yeah so the first five is body induced and then the last one is purely mind but bodily induced and then if you have if you are talking about sensory uh sensation yeah so sensory feelings so to speak uh, then that is actually still mind but it's induced by the body in the first five senses then we have thoughts which is our 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 concepts, our ideas in our mind that is formulated over time uh, and yes, we we identify with all this right emotions, emotions is varied uh. can be happy, can be sad, can be angry, can be joyful, yeah, you know, a whole range of emotions, and uh, oftentimes we identify with it, and we say, "I am angry, yeah. I am angry. So after that, after we 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 after one night, maybe we wake up and we stop being angry. So what happened to that anger? Where did it go to? Oh, first question. Second question. And apparently, it has disappeared. Yeah, or it, it it ceased to exist. So does it mean that part of I disappeared? The angry I disappeared. And if an angry eye can disappear, then where did the angry guy eye come from? yeah And if the angry, guy, angry eye or happy eye can come can appear out of nowhere and disappear into thin air, then what is the eye yeah and by the, and, and in that case, then it seems like the eye can increase and decrease yeah and can change and fluctuate. but is that how we perceive the I. Uh, Phyllis at what self-select to be? Uh, so this is with reference to what she wrote earlier, based on selection, optimization, and compensation. Uh, what self-select to be? Optimize based on expertise and compensation by working with others to maximize each other's Potential to achieve a goal. These components add up to a self. Can be interpreted by some koi, or there's actually there's no actual self in existence in reality. I pondered about this before and got stuck. Hmm. Where do you feel uh, uh, this? The question is. Uh, so, the first part, if I understand your statement correctly, what they are saying is that whatever the self may be. Is actually a result of a process of, in a way, give and take, yeah. Um, and what you describe about this process to, to work with others to maximize each other's potential to reach a goal, is a very specific instance, yeah. Because sometimes we don't, we don't work with each other, you know. <laughs> uh, sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes when we are upset, uh, we work against each other Yeah, We purposely choose not to work with each other Yeah, Because we don't care about the goal anymore And maybe that is an expression of self, isn't it? We identify with this self more than the goal as self Or we identify less with the goal than this me, me, me Me is more important, so the goal I don't care So I don't want to work with you, I don't want to work with you Even if I think you are right even though I think your idea is better, but I purposely sabotage it. <laughs> I don't want to work with you. <laughs> Sometimes we are like that. So the self can be like that. So in some cases, it's an optimization. In some cases, may not be. Uh. Mm. Maybe in some ways, it's still an optimization, but optimization to create problem. Yeah. So there's a process. Uh, so self can be... Uh, uh a result yeah from uh optimization okay let me check whether the words are cut off okay still okay and then we have uh let me just draw a line down so that I don't overshot the space ah uh, okay so what else? Hmm. Uh, Wiki mentions about achievement, yeah similar to what was discussed by uh Phyllis, that there are certain results. Yeah so uh achievements is a form of results and we may identify with the achievement as me. Yeah? So uh results, achievements, yeah so achievement is a bit more interesting in a sense that achievements can be in terms of the mind-body it can be in terms of something else that is generated that is created, that is done you know, work done by this body and mind like we go to work, we use the body, we use the mind and then we we come up with plans, we carry out activities and so on and so forth and then we achieve some outcome Maybe we come up with a with a sales plan, maybe we come up with a a target and we achieve the target yeah and um sometimes the target is a, a so called good target yeah that we are proud of, and then we identify with it and we say, "Oh, I did this but sometimes even when it is not a good result, we also identify with it and we say yeah i did this <laughs> yeah and we feel lousy about self when that the thing we identify with is not so good uh we feel better when the thing we achieve is better uh, so so far so good yeah um, uh, phyllis says exactly and dependent on, on environment situational uh thank you sifu you are right so there's no self but only mind uh, no, that was not my conclusion. <laughs> yeah, we haven't drawn any conclusion yet. Yeah, we are merely exploring how we, we experience self. Yeah, because if in order to to look at okay, what is self, we must first look at how do, how what do we mean by self? Okay, and in a way, today's talk is that. Huh? what is the self? Yeah, so um, we are not drawing any conclusion yet. We are just listing down what everybody. Have in mind, Locke John writes possessions, traits. Oh, so achievement is a form of possession, yeah. In a way, yeah. And then we have traits. That means qualities, okay? Traits, qualities, um, things about us, yeah. So we we tend to look at. Per- qualities, characters and traits as somewhat unique to that person, a unique combination. But as we grow older, do do we find that sometimes people share traits? The fact that you can describe it with an English word, it means that that same English word or combination of English words that we call character can perhaps be used to describe another person. So even characters are not unique, so to speak. so I can say is, uh, something that we cling on to with our dear life, afraid of losing it, thinking that when this self comes to an end, everything will be gone. A sentient being with a mind who is not a Buddha yet. Uh, Li Hui Ching. Hui Ching says that. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's keep it floating. Huh? Okay. So, something that we cling on to with our dear life. Yeah, we, we do cling on to the self. Um... But let's work with what we have here. Uh, so what we have here is uh, that we look at the self or the I or the ego as body and mind, the combination of many things, including our emotions, senses and thoughts, yeah? that we give a name. Yeah? Uh, or many times our name is given, right? Someone gave us this name. Yeah, so think about it. The moment we are born, we are not always given a name yet. Yeah, uh, some 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 parents like way before we are even born already thought of the name, right? But um, for for some, uh, the 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 child is born, but not given a name yet. So sometimes we we may we may uh, if we are close to the family and we ask like, so what's the name? And the parent will be like, oh, we haven't thought about it yet. Any suggestion? <laughs> so the question, uh, before we are officially given a name, what are we? Without the name, what are we? So we are a baby, right? We are a baby. So then at what point do we stop being a baby? When we are given a name, we are still a baby, right? And we are still a baby. So So like in, a, in the example of Brandon, when Brennan was a baby, before given a name, he has no name. So we say, your baby. So it's with reference to the parents, yeah? or this baby is very cute. And then it's just this baby. Then later on, a name is given, Brennan, and then suddenly this baby has a name. But one moment before, no name, one moment later, has a name. So, after the name was given, does it make the baby more Brandon or not? And before the baby was given the name Brandon, did it have uh, any Brandonness or not? <laughs> and if there's no Brennanness to begin with, then why call the baby Brandon? And for that matter, most of you may not know Brandon, yeah, or Saikem or Cadell or Siou Yin or any of some of you know each other, okay, to be fair. But some of you may just be watching this maybe three years later, I don't know. Yeah? I mean now we are recording right live. But three years later, someone else may watch this and or maybe maybe ten years, twenty years later, I, I don't know whether Facebook will still be around, but sometime later someone look at watch this and it's like Brandon, it's just another name and maybe there's another Brendan who is watching this video and will be having a good laugh Yeah, so So Is there anything unique about the name that makes us that name? Uh, think about it seems seems like No, right because anyone can be called Brandon anyone can be called Saikyang and in fact while we have the birth name given by our parents usually yeah Um, along the way as we grow up we are also given many other names yeah and initially when we are given new names sometimes it's nicknames in school and sometimes it's flattering sometimes not so flattering and the funny thing is when it's flattering we we feel quite happy when people call us that you know like i notice i notice when uh, when when sometimes uh I'm out with some students, yeah, then uh at some shops the the store owner will call the my male students 帥哥, Yeah or call them Laupan uh, or they will call the my f- the female students <laughs> right uh now I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that my students are not or not menu. But it seems as though it was just an expression. Yeah, quite clearly, the the store owner say that to everybody. But it cannot be true that everybody is swagger menu, Or maybe that the maybe the store owner truly feel that way. So the question is, when the store owner calls menu, do we really become menu, even if we are not? Or if the if the store owner calls something else, does it make us less of a menu? And similarly for Swiker. Yeah. So do that, that, that does the names define who we are or not? Yeah. Because if we use it to identify with ourselves, then it must have some essence, some some link to who we are, right? But yet if we were to explore deeply, we may find that these names are just temporal, you know? And it's more of a convention that it so happened that our parents call us this, give us this name, and so we are, we are we are just known by this name, and and perhaps the name may reflect our parents' aspiration or that person's opinion about us, or or aspired opinion about us. You know, like some parents they will call their their, their kids like Jian Guo, yeah, for guys my generation quite common name, yeah, Jian Guo, Guo Qiang, you know, and so it's all about. Um, the aspiration that the child, that the parent have for the child, that may you grow up to become someone who is useful to the nation, you know, things like that, or like in my generation, a lot of the classmates all may something one or something may, you know, yeah, it's a very common thing, right? May is like beautiful, so it's like uh, that's that's how many people name their child, right? Uh, so. But if that is really true, then we should just, you know, that day, uh, that day a student was telling me that she actually ch- go and change her name, you know, because of the, of some jo- uh, fortune-telling uh, consideration uh, that changing the name can influence the fortune. So I told her, I said, if you're gonna change your name, you should just change your, change your name to Sakyamuni Buddha. You know, if you truly believe that changing the name can directly influence who you are, then just change your second money Buddha la, Then you, you'll become Buddha ma. <laughs> but of course we know that it doesn't work, right? Yeah. And for those who, who like to be the Prime Minister, then you yeah, change your name to Lee Kuan Yew. Then you can, you become the Prime Minister. No. I'm sure out there, there's other Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore, but there's only one Lee Kuan Yew who did a fabulous job, you know? Yeah. So, what if... Um, what if we are given a different name? Then, yeah, so think about that. While we use the name as an identity, um, the name by itself don't Im- imbue us with certain qualities. Yeah, but having said that, our tendency is we would interpret those words because those words usually have some meaning, and we will interpret and connect with those meaning and in turn, be influenced by it and it's because of this influence that it shapes our life and in that case then, perhaps we should just shape our life in a positive way <laughs> huh? so So far, so, so good yeah, but in that case, that does it mean that all these things is what we call the self? And if this, all these are the self, then why did the Buddha teach no self? Yeah. So, um, when the Buddha gave the teaching on no self, uh, what, what was he alluding to? What was he trying to point to uh, and guide us towards? What was the point, really? Yeah. If there's no self, then who is listening to this talk? Who is giving this talk? Yeah. If there's no self, then who is, who 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 was feeling miserable when you were crying, who was elated when you score full marks, who was over the hill when you managed to uh, get the person you love to, to marry you, who was the one who uh, who was who was excited when you won 40. <laughs> Yeah, who was terrified in in the dark when you were young? Yeah. If there's no self, then who is responsible for all that? So, um, in the in the Buddhist tradition, in all the different lineages, uh, since the Buddha's time, uh, there are, there has been different approaches to help people understand that. If you look at the Pali Canon. Um, in a way, the Buddha didn't just go around telling people, no self-love, forget about whatever you are doing, you know. Yeah, so much for your self, self, uh, self-confidence, self, self-esteem, self-worth, self-whatever. All this is just your own delusion. The Buddha didn't go around in, in that way. Instead, what the Buddha did was, uh, when it, he, first of all, he don't always just jump straight into talking about self or no self many times he will address whatever is troubling people, whatever concerns people, whatever preoccupies people. Yeah, So he's a very interesting teacher. He teach according to your standards. He don't have a standard syllabus and he just, you know, shoehorn that whole thing onto you. But rather he, he assess your current state and say and think, okay, so what is the best thing you need right now? Yeah, so we see that in different suttas, he teach differently according to the level, so to speak, spiritual maturity level of the individuals. To the young kids who were playing in a uh, around a pond, prodding and, and you know, uh, prodding fishes in a pond, um, he teach them empathy by asking them, if you are the fish, and if someone were to throw stones at you, poke you with sticks, how would you feel? And the, And the children realized that oh, they would feel um, uh, hurt, they would feel painful and, and fearful. And then the Buddha told them that in that case, why should you do that to the fish?" Now, so to them at that stage, he taught them empathy. and in the process he he didn't bring in no self at all. He didn't bring in oh, impermanence or any of that. He, he he taught them empathy so that they cross over the their current situation which is cruelty. And then to a group of merchants, he teach them um, generosity, he teach them uh, the precepts. Yeah? Because for them as a businessman, their, their, their immediate goal is to make money. They are interested in making a living they're interested in wealth yeah, so the buddha didn't just go in and say why, you all, why, why do you all bother with your businesses yeah, in the end no self <laughs> so who is going to be rich ah, no self. No, the, buddha, the buddha's approach was never like that yeah it, it wasn't no self as an end by itself pun intended and not intended <laughs> uh, but rather he teach them that if you want to be wealthy Uh, there are are legitimate ways to go about there are righteous ways proper ways to acquire your wealth and there is the causal karmic basis for that and so if you want to have wealth besides working hard you must also plant the seeds which is generosity so then they they earnestly carried out and when he observed that they have already um, uh, uh, nurtured their heart their mind uh, for spiritual growth. Then he highlighted to them, you you would want to not limit yourself to the pleasures of the human realm that is acquired through the wealth of your merit. But there's something beyond this. And then the Buddha teach them to observe the precepts. That observing the precepts beyond this life, this mortal life as a human, you can experience something more superior yeah, in the heavenly realm, sensual, desire and the heavenly realm. And slowly, step by step, the, the, he, he teach them how to move beyond even that. And then he teach them uh, the practice of concentration, meditative practices, samatha. First jhana, second jhana, third jhana, up to fourth jhana, which is as high as the worldly states is concerned. And then beyond that, then the Buddha told them that actually there's something even higher. Uh, That's where he alludes to the the path beyond of enlightenment. And at that point then, the the teaching on no self, impermanent suffering and no self comes in. So this is very interesting because today when we learn the Dharma, oftentimes we just jump straight into a a book. And some books may focus just on the teaching on no self. Some talks like when I teach emptiness, it starts off with emptiness but you notice that i don't just jump straight into emptiness as an end by itself because the the buddha's teaching was never intended that way yeah that we teach something just as an end by itself that is a graduated path so when the buddha approached uh, the different people he teach differently but when he do teach or, or uh, broach onto the topic of self or no self, he also don't directly declare no, no self, end of story, accept and you'll be safe or something. <laughs> yeah? But instead, he would ask them through questions yeah, to get people to think for themselves, <laughs> a lot of self. <laughs> so the Buddha would ask this um, pretty standard kind of questions and he would ask, consider this, is form permanent or impermanent? Yeah. So form, physical form, would include the body. Yeah, would include what we call the body, right? Let me just uh, highlight this. So we have the body, yeah, physical form. Uh, it can also be part of the traits. Yeah, and also our, ach- our possessions, our achievements. Yeah, all these can be physical. Yeah. Then he will ask, is it permanent? And the, the disciples or whoever he's talking to would think about it, consider, yeah, and investigate and, and then declare that, oh, it's impermanent. And then the Buddha will ask, is form which is impermanent subject to change? Meaning that, will it change? Yeah, something that's permanent, does it change? That means from before until now, it lasts, does it change? Yeah. Then they the reply, yes, it changed Yeah, Something that is impermanent is subject to, su- to, to, to change And then the Buddha will further asks Is something that is impermanent, subject to change, subject to suffering hmm. This part is a bit tricky I was explaining to a, another student So why is it that something that is impermanent, subject to change, subject to suffering uh, There are a lot of teachings that elaborate on this, but if you go to the Pali Canon, it's simply just that. So, very mi- very minimal explanation. But in some other text then, in the Suttas, in the Commentaries, then it explains. Because when that's, if you examine the change, yeah, everything that we have written down today, um, is there anything that is permanent so far? The only thing we close we can think of is perhaps the name, you know And for Singaporeans, the IC But even this, the IC is not permanent nah. right? After we die, does the IC follow us to the next life? No, right? And our name, we can be given multiple names So the name can change yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, my student changed her name So we can change our name So names are not permanent but in that case then, how is this impermanence a problem? How is it suffering? So the the, the angle is, think about it. Is any of the changes um, due to conditions or not due to conditions? And is it due to conditions or not due to conditions? So, if we were to observe, we may observe and find that all these changes happen due to conditions. Sometimes we are part of the conditions, sometimes we are not. And all the time, it is due to multiple conditions. So, all this that we identify with as self changes due to conditions. So, what? So, it is not simply due to our decision. But And, how is that suffering? If it's not due to our decision, that means it's not within our control. So, if you want it to go a certain way, it may or may not go that way. And simply by definition, something that go, may or may not go our way is not conducive to happiness is conducive towards um, unease, towards a sense of um, uncertainty. And all this points towards, alludes towards suffering. Not, not, suf- not necessarily like just because it's impermanence, then immediately, wow, <laughs> you know, big deal suffering. Uh. But it's in that direction already and that's part of the problem because it is merely in that direction but may not have enough amplitude to to let us recognize it as suffering and that's why we don't usually recognize it as suffering we usually don't even see recognize that that direction until it's too late until it's significant enough for us to call it to recognize the change And then to feel the suffering. Then we say, oh, this is suffering. And by then, usually it's too late because we have already grown that strong identification, that clinging, that attachment, that grasping. And so, by this point, then the Buddha would ask again is something that is impermanent, subject to change, subject to suffering, fit? to be considered mine me or myself <clears throat> yeah is it fit does it qualify yeah something that is always changing that's not permanent keep on changing Today is here, tomorrow not there. Yeah, And the change is not totally due to you. Not your decision, how it changes. So in what way is that you? If something goes its own way depending on conditions, then how, how can we say that this, this is me? Ah, that was the Buddha's question. Now, even in the Buddha's time, uh there are people who don't necessarily agree, but they don't have a retort to disagree. Yeah? Uh, but uh there are there are those of his disciples who, when given this train of inquiry, come to the realization: huh. The th- the very thing that we identify with as me, as mine, as myself, as the ego, as the self, as the atman, the atta. Actually. <laughs> Uh, don't, don't 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 really fit, uh yeah. It doesn't really gel, and hence no self. So the no self is not simply just as a standalone con- uh, statement, but it is through a, a process of inquiry, and that's why in Buddhism, um, part of the practice is this process of contemplation, that no self is not simply just repeated as a Doctrine as a thesis that we must accept and just regurgitate, you know. But it is actually uh, the ref- the conclusion of a uh, reflection and observation, not just reflection, uh, Because reflection is just conceptual, yeah. But reflection and then observation that you observe that truly there's nothing that changes. Um, independent of conditions, that all these changes is n- not simply due to your will, so to speak. Yeah. So then what does that leave us? So who is listening to this talk? For the most part, if you look at the whole teaching as I mentioned earlier, the Buddha referred to individuals as though that's a self. Right? He, 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 when he referred to variable Sariputra, he said, Sariputra. He don't say, ah, these five aggregates that is collectively, artificially labelled as Sariputra. He don't go, to, go big around. On bush or, on the, he just conventionally use what is the norm to, to communicate. So when we learn this teaching, It's not meant to get us to all, you know, rewrite all our communication. Yeah. Oh, cannot use I. (laughs) Cannot use you, me, they, she, he. No. We should just continue using that. But to realize that as we use these labels and others use labels on us, these are mere labels, number one. Number two, that all this... um, is describing not a singularity it's not a single entity that is unchanging and permanent no but rather it is the result of multiple sets of conditions even what this is is the result of multiple conditions the way we speak the way we think the way we feel the way emotions arise Yeah, all this which then brings us back to the earlier question then what about self-confidence and self-worth you know self-esteem because today um in modern world in singapore at least uh, there's a lot of emphasis especially for young people emphasis on self-esteem yeah self-worth and over the years as i sit down and talk to people and counsel them I realized that some, sometimes, um, part of the, the, the issue they are facing is the sense of self-worth or the lack of self-worth, yeah? or self-esteem, if you will. So then, let me just turn on the lights, it's getting a bit... <laughs> so then the question is, um, should we then abandon all these things that is linked to self? You know, so should we abandon self-esteem, self-worth, self, um, self-confidence? But if we do, then how about some parts of the teaching that talk about self-confidence, right? The faith in ourselves that we can do the practice, that we are able to attain enlightenment, yeah. I just covered it this morning with uh, the Hong Fa Tuan. So, um, how do we balance this? The The truth is, um, it is just like the, the first example I gave earlier, where the Buddha, when he gave teachings to the young boys, uh, the concern was to help them overcome whatever they are preoccupied with yeah. which is harmful for themselves and others in in which point in which case was cruelty yeah so then what about self worth self uh confidence and so on um There's this, uh, there's this teaching on emptiness and no self that I covered some time back in the Heart Sutra, and it's about this simple exercise, uh, and y'all may need to just, we may need to uh, continue another day, but the gist of it is, uh, if we were to write our write our name, okay, do this exercise, write our name. And ask ourselves, what are we? Yeah. What are we? So we may then put down that we are a uh, a man or woman, we are the son, and in my case I am a monk. Yeah. I'm a friend. I'm a shifu. Uh, I'm also a student Shifu is also akin to a teacher and so on right so um, in a way we can say that who we are we can write in the center also who am I yeah the, the the so-called conventional self is a collection of all this apart, f- with, apart from which there's no Chuan Quan to talk about and for that matter my original ordination name wasn't Chuan Chuanquan Chuan Quan was actually the mentor mentorship name that was given to me yeah so who are we? it's a collection of all these different roles that we play yeah all these roles But as we go through life, sometimes there are some roles that we hold on to stronger than the other. And as a result, we may ignore some other roles. And through the years as I sit down and many, talk to many different individuals, I realize that whenever we overly focus on one role than the other roles that are present in our life, we have a tendency to then Cause an imbalance. And as a result, uh, we may neglect certain rules. On top of that, because the rules are always changing, we may also forget that the rules is not a permanent thing. So imagine if a person, like let's say someone who is not me, okay. Maybe it's not a monk and not a teacher and shifu, yeah. So maybe this person is an engineer, and this person is his uh, uh, husband also, right? So, but if this person as an engineer, focus ninety percent of his life, of his waking moments on being an engineer, then what happened to all the other roles? It's going to suffer, isn't it? yeah and then one day if the company say uh, okay we are downsizing we are we are having uh, because of COVID-19 we don't need so many engineers so we are going to uh, have to have you talk to HR and then figure out something for you if a person's life has been defined 90% as an engineer and suddenly that is taken away i I, I like I, I think I think such a person will have a breakdown uh. yeah because suddenly that that I that self um, that sense of who am I is suddenly taken away yeah so this comes from two parts one is uh, over over. Uh, a sense of imbalance where although there are so many roles but all our focus and energy and effort is channeled to just one so you take that away boom you collapse number one number two not recognizing that all these roles in turn depend on other conditions And so all these roles are constantly in a state of flux. We are surprised, we are we are shocked, we we collapse only because we cannot accept that that can change. If instead we we know that it is always changing, if a company comes along and says, Okay, we are going to downsize and so we need to relook at your role, we're ready, it's okay. But you may say, "So easier said and done, right?" Yeah, easier said than done. That's why you must start doing it now. Don't don't wait until there's a crisis. Don't wait until you know something happened to the company. Don't wait until COVID-19. Don't wait until the next big thing. Then you start to rethink your life. Don't wait until you are retrenched. And okay, because this is this is the very nature of our existence. Yeah, anicca, and this anicca, this impermanence, uh, is about change due to conditions, not due to our whims and fancy. Mm. So, if we can do that, um, I think we would learn to relate to the self better, to see that the self is an artificial identification that we can still use as a as a convenient tool, you know, and not be hampered by it. Just as the Buddha would refer to his disciples, Sariputra, Venerable, and uh, Mogalana, from Buddha's point of view. Uh, he would just refer he, he would refer to them but not be confined by it. Yeah, and not suffer over them. So, what is the self? Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. In Buddhism, uh, it's more important to, to um, consider the question and explore and uh verify yourself yeah because you can sifu can just tell you, "Oh, there's no self right, uh, but more important for us to discover that yourself a uh, okay, we'll end now huh? because we have exited time already <laughs> this this topic is something that uh. It, yeah. There's just so much we can cover, you know? um, and 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 just as a as a closing, um, again back to the question of self worth and self value, uh, linked to what I said just now about about this identification, yeah. Our worth and value in this world, um, it it shouldn't be measured simply by our work. Yeah, shouldn't just be that. And oftentimes our self-worth is really the product of our perception of our worth. But the real worth and value that we bring to this world, um, it should be left to the testimony from people who have encountered us. Let them let them uh, have their say. We shouldn't pass the sentence on ourselves so quickly. Yeah. Let others tell us what, they, what our presence has meant to them before we write off ourselves. 阿弥陀佛